everybody. You got uh, opposing the matrix here, and you got Dave and Brian with you. Hi, Brian. Hey, Dave. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Surviving. Surviving the Biden. Forgive the dogs. <laughs> you live next to a store, and every time somebody parks at the store, <laughs> yeah. I know they're there. Yeah. Um, so tonight, folks, we, we are going to endeavor to go into um, what, three subjects, I think. Uh, we're going to talk about um, uh, the currency, the new currency that's out there, um, Bitcoin, and all of its little offshoots. Uh, we're going to talk about driverless cars and uh, talk about nanobots. So, anyway, uh, that, that's a lot to put on our plate, but we're going to get it done because uh, they all kind of interface with one another. And um, I guess we'll start out with the the um, the bitcoins. Um, you know, um, all throughout history, uh, people have minted um, gold and silver, and that's been the currency. Mm-hmm. Um, in America, we used copper, but uh, take one of the newer copper pennies and just scratch it a little bit. It's just copper plated with zinc underneath it, so our money's even more worthless than it was before. But um, so we've been using gold and silver, and up until 1972, our money was backed by gold. Until excuse me, until Nixon took us off of that and. Um, gave our authority to the Federal Reserve, full authority to the Federal Reserve to mint fiat money. And fiat money is basically money that's backed by nothing. Uh, They can print as much of it as they want to. And if you and I did that, Brian, it's called counterfeiting. (laughs) Yeah. It's It's uh, called prison. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They'll probably put us to work in the, um, or they would if we ever did it, to work in the... uh, prison uh, newspaper or something <laughs> but uh yeah anyway um so when the federal reserve took over they uh the money's based on nothing and it's just a promissory note basically and um that in mind uh you're when you buy a house with a hundred and eighty thousand uh, dollars or two hundred thousand or whatever houses are going for where you folks live but um um, you're basically paying with promissory notes, and uh, that's why it's easier for them to come take your house if you don't pay. Um, they would come take it if it was backed by gold, but still, um, uh, you're not you're not keeping your promise to honor the promissory notes that are backed on nothing. And don't try to figure that out right now because you never will. Uh, but anyway, so now we have this new thing called Bitcoin, and there was a guy down in uh, Roswell that was getting into this a few years ago, and I should have listened to him. Um, he was buying a lot of bitcoins, and he's buying them for a hundred dollars a coin. And now I think they're worth what fifty-eight thousand dollars a coin. And uh, so, you know, it would have been a really good thing, but I don't tend to get in on deals like that, or I pass them up, and that always turns around to uh, to bite me in um, places that hurt a lot. Um, but anyway. Um, so we got these bitcoins out there now, and then there's all these other coins out there, tons and tons of coins. Uh, one of them is Dogecoin, um, you name it, uh, Torrent, the whole nine yards. And um, 
they base their worth on what Bitcoin's worth. So Bitcoin, I, from what I found out, is I don't know about you, Brian, you did study on it too. That seems mm-hmm. to be the standard by what everything is, is held up by, right? Am I right? Yeah, yes, it is, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, so Bitcoin is basically the new gold, if you want to look at it, but it's imaginary. It's not real. They mint these coins, or supposedly they do, but nobody's ever seen them. Um, and I found out today that um, supposedly they've minted 21 million bitcoins. And um, if you if you look online and you go to YouTube and you look up what will bitcoins be worth, um, they actually expect uh, that when all this gets running and everything, that uh, bitcoins could be worth maybe up to $10 million a coin. And uh, if 21,000 uh, or 21 million of them were minted, um, let me, uh, I got to minimize this because this is a, a figure that is, uh, if you take 21 million and multiply by 10 million, you get $210 trillion. And it's interesting that the uh, the value of everything on earth is worth, I think, $320 trillion. So um, they were getting pretty close to, to, for these bitcoins to equal what uh, the whole world is worth, actually. So um, we we were talking last week about um, what is the cha- what are the chances that this is going to become the new um, when they go with the casual society that this will be the the money that you will you will earn or be giving given and uh, you won't have to buy you can't buy or sell a trade if you don't have the mark of the beast but you'll get all these bitcoins that you want so. Um, anyway, Brian, I think I'm starting to ramble. So, uh, what did you? What have you found out about the bitcoins? Uh, they're based on nothing. <laughs> kind of like the Seinfeld show. They're based on nothing. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just trying to lighten the mood up. You know, everybody's so tight, locked down in COVID. Um, mm-hmm. They're digital. There's no gold. There's no. There's nothing to back them up, as you as you already had said. But yet, when they first started, the the investment world kind of shied away from them. Uh, didn't think that they would make it, didn't think they would last. And now it's been around long enough. I think they started in January 8th of 2009 is when, the, excuse me, the Bitcoin came out. And since then, it's been growing, as you know, in not just value, but in popularity. More people are trading it. And now the stock market allows it to be traded. You're going to have to trade it. So that gives it even more credibility. There's, like you said, there's, I think, dozens of other companies that have popped up with uh, these digital currencies. And it's just when you buy something and you don't get something in return, you know, that's kind of like it's not the smartest move. I mean, you're buying something basically doesn't exist except in a computer. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, um, I think, yeah, I think you're right uh, about when during the tribulation period that this will probably be, if it's not, uh, a type of currency they will have. And what I was reading today is that there's over 200 currencies in the world, all controlled by banks, governments and institutions. No one controls the Bitcoin. Right. It's not regulated. So what's probably going to happen is this is just all speculation. And you can kind of see the writing on the wall right now, Dave, because, okay, just take the COVID. Look at all the restrictions they put on many of us, some of the people in our country, 
that are listening to this or watching this, they're like Florida. Thank God you live in Florida, you know? Right. Uh, here in California, in the Republic of California, we're still in lockdown. They've re- uh, taken some of the restrictions up, but the theaters still aren't open. The gyms still aren't open. Uh, the restaurants still have to meet outside. So I'm saying that because um, they uh, – how, how do I want to term this? Let's just say evil. I don't want to say evil. Let's just say people who want to control you will use every means to do it. If you want to think that's evil or not, that's up to you. But uh, they're going to eventually use this, the government. You know, the government, when you make something and it works, the government gets in and uses it, then it doesn't work anymore. So what they're going to do, these governments are eventually, I think, going to take the Bitcoin and use it for their own means to control their own people. I think China is actually doing this in a sort of a way right now. Yes, they are. You have to have a credit score over in China. Like here, your credit score, you can't maybe buy a house or you have to pay more uh, interest on a house or a car. But you might be able to still get a car, but you're going to pay 20% instead of 3%. -hmm. Over in China, if your social credit score, air quote, isn't at a certain place, you can't even travel. You can't right. buy food. You can't go, you can't do anything. I mean, they have levels of it. Like you hear, I go, I think the credit score goes from 450 to 850 in our, our credit score ratings here. So if right. you're down around 500 in their rating, uh, you may not be able to even, uh, you can buy a car. They tell you where you can live. You can't live here anymore. They kick you out of your house because you can't afford by your credit score to live there. So they force you to go live in the government place where they've already built for, they're already segregating people by class and by income in China. And they uh, are using this for control. So if you're at work and you don't like the way your boss is doing something ethically and you come against your boss and he happens to know somebody in the communist party all of a sudden, you're breaking big ones into little ones with a sledgehammer in some cave right. um, in China. So the Bitcoin is going to be used to control people. It's not. Mm-hmm. It, right now, it's a way to make wealth, to buy and sell, but it's going to be used as a weapon against the masses because right. it's digital. And mm-hmm. one thing I've read today with the Bitcoin, anybody – who's got a computer and who knows your name can see what you're spending your money on. Right. You can't hide what you're buying things. If you buy a brand new car at a Chevy dealer for $20,000, all your neighbor's got to do is log in, put your name in there, the dealership, and it shows exactly what you paid for that car in Bitcoin, mm-hmm. not in dollars. With, um, your account will not be, especially when the government takes this, is going to be totally wide open and they they can monitor everything you do. Matter of fact, they have it set up where a certain amount you start buying things that are. See, let me back up with Facebook, Instagram, all these social media outlets. They weren't put there so you can communicate with your friends and family. They were put there to find out your habits. These companies were put there to find out where you go, where you buy, what you do. They don't care about our families one iota. This has nothing to do with them posting pictures uh, of your family and all that. So if they know where you go, what you buy, and what you do, when the Bitcoin comes in, it's that much easier for them to keep track. All of a sudden, um, you, you're driving a $50,000 car, and all of a sudden you buy a $250,000 car. 
So you make the purchase with Bitcoin. The government has a thing on their on their computer that flags you, and they just have to go in there and see, oh, he spent all these Bitcoins. Where did he get the Bitcoins? Where did they come from? His income's mm-hmm. been, say, 60000 a year. Now it's... 700,000 a year? Where do, you know, so so it, it's a way of getting rid of counterfeit, uh, money laundering, drug money. Um, there'll still always be drug money, but it'll be all underground, but it'll, it'll really cut down. And so they're going to use it as the guise as of coming against crime, but they're going to use it against their own people. And China mm-hmm. is starting to do that already. And Bitcoin, I think, is going to be used during the tribulation because the Antichrist will take the technology and and uh, and it may not be called Bitcoin. It'll be maybe something else. But that technology will be used because how else would you make you would you control somebody what they buy or sell? It's not just having the mark because it's all about money. And it's just like, you know, our grandparents, maybe friends of ours and aunts and uncles over the years put money in a mattress or in a tin can for a rainy day or for the next depression. So there's a million dollars in this mattress. It'll be worthless. Because if you go and spend it during that time, you'll mark yourself. Nobody's going to take it. They'll know that it's illegal. Money is going to become illegal. And you probably know this, Dave, because down here there's a change shortage of change in L.A. County. I'm assuming it's everywhere, but it is. Yeah. You couldn't even get changed for a 20. And I'm like, during the pandemic. So I'm thinking, what, what, where'd this come from? A change shortage, you know? So there's no change shortage. It's just manipulation. They're just mm-hmm. messing with us, seeing how we'll react. You know, they did this little change shortage. And nobody got upset. Nobody got upset you couldn't change for a 20. So they're thinking, mm-hmm. oh, maybe, maybe we could start pulling the actual cash money back a little bit more. Start not using start that's where the whole debit card i remember when debit cards first came out a long time ago that's how old i am you probably remember yeah that and a debit card i always pay with cash well almost everybody uses a debit card now hardly mm-hmm. anybody cash so cash is going out coins are going out and it's going to eventually be digital and mm-hmm. i i read uh, in the scriptures today uh, let me look at my notes here sorry folks um Revelation 13, 17, you won't be able to buy or sell without the mark. So it's not just the mark, but it's the system behind the mark. Because you can mark everybody all day long like cattle, but if you don't have a system to track it financially, they can track us physically, GPS. Now they can track us digitally with our money. And Mm -hmm. I lose that thought. Um, Elon Musk, he's... He's he's pretty ingenious guy. I, I know if Dave, if you know, but he seems like he's always sending satellites up in orbit almost every day. It seems like, right? Yeah, he's trying uh, to make a telenetwork up there, or that's supposedly yeah, it's was. And I, I can't remember the amount of satellites. I don't want to exaggerate, but it's in the thousands of satellites. Well, and every time pretty, he launches, it's like 165 satellites in in, in a missile. Right. You know. Exactly. So I think it's going to be in the thousand, maybe up to 10,000 satellites. And this is all for communication. Supposedly, you know, I do a lot of air quotes because uh, I, I believe him like, um, you know, I'll sell you a bridge in the middle of the desert, Dave. That's how much I believe him. So it's just. um, And what are these satellites going to do? There'll be no more drop calls. 
You'd be able to talk to anybody. You could be on Mount Everest in the middle of the Amazon and have a signal for your phone because the signals right. now bounced off thousands of satellites. Satellites aren't obstructed. <laughs> They're beaming right uh-huh. down on you. So in the same way, that's how they can track you in the same way, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, so it's well, just... You were talking about nanobots, or we will talk about that some more, but um, there there was a, a rumor going around. Here, I'll do that now, too. A rumor going around that um, <laughs> that the uh, vaccine contains nanobots, or at least some of the vaccines do. Yeah. And that's the whole reason why they want you to stand six feet apart, because when you're six feet apart, you can be distinguished by these satellites, but if you're closer, then all the signals start getting mixed up, and then they they can't tell who's who in that crowd. Right. So that's you know something to think about. But um, those satellites are, are you know like it's 165 satellites in one missile. My goodness, that's amazing. And if if they just did that uh, ten times, that's what's uh, 1650 satellites. Um, yeah, 100 times that's 16,500 satellites. Right. You know, it's amazing. And it's and he seems to have all the money in the world and it's relatively cheap for him to do that. So it's it's right. bizarre. It's but um, uh, what was I going to say, um, you know, I, I always have these thoughts and they leave me. And, and somebody once said maybe it's because they were lonely. Um, oh. but, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's going to be but uh, uh, with, with the Bitcoin, um it's interesting because I don't know if you've dealt with them, but I've, I've got two or three different kinds of Bitcoins, and I just dabble in it. You know, if I have a few bucks here, I buy something, and I usually buy them really cheap. Um, but um, it's uh, it's interesting to watch because each one of them will have what it's worth in U.S. dollars, and then underneath it, it has what it's worth in Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is definitely the foundation that they're basing all these different things on. Okay, um, you know, what is it worth compared to Bitcoin or what is it worth compared to an ounce of gold like we would do with the dollar? Okay, but um, Bitcoin is is uh, is to me is kind of freaky. It really is. Uh, uh, all they're doing is like the dollar used to be based on gold and gold was something that God gave us. He put it in the earth. People mined it. You know, they made good money mining it, and then when they, the assayer would buy it, he'd make, he'd inflate it a little bit and get more money. So it really created a good economy. Um, however, with this Bitcoin, it, it's creating a good economy all on its own based on nothing, like our money is now. Oh, that's where I wanted to go um, real quick. Is the um, You talked about the central banks, um, all of the central banks, even the American Central Bank, uh, United States here, the Federal Reserve, is talking about coming out with their own Bitcoins. And if you go online, not Bitcoins, but their own crypto coins, uh, and if you go online, you're going to find that there are websites that are arguing against Bitcoin in favor of a federal coin, and there are sites that are arguing against the federal coin in favor of Bitcoin. So there's this war going on between Bitcoin and the feds in every country. And like you said, China does um, does have that. And they, they implemented it, I think, last year, the year before. They gave everybody um, that wanted it 200 free, what do they call them, yuans or whatever their dollar, whatever their currency is. 
And um, I remember there showing well, one lady used it to buy a year's worth of laundry detergent. And I'm like, wow, for 200 bucks you can get a year's worth of laundry detergent? That's pretty good. Maybe you should fly to China and buy some laundry detergent and come back. Um, but anyway, so they're, they're experimenting with it. And I think that we're kind of watching. I think the nations of the world are kind of watching to see how China goes with it. And if it works in China, you know it's going to domino effect, and it's going to start working all over the world. And... Um, and then once they can coalesce that into one coin, maybe it'll be a battle again between Bitcoin and the Fed and the, the world, you know, the world's um, system, mm-hmm. you know, and then uh, we know that the world system is going to win out. Um, mm-hmm. So Bitcoin may someday be worth nothing. But I found it interesting. So if there's $210 trillion worth of Bitcoin out there that, you know, will happen if, if uh, Bitcoin goes up to um, – uh, Ten million dollars a share, I think it was. Yeah, and um, and and they fulfill their promise to get rid of a lot of humanity, which they're doing through the the injections, the vaccines. Um, there's there's a lot of people that are that are biting it because of that. Um, excuse me, they're they're passing away. I, I've I've got to start getting a little more proper on the radio here, um, but um, so if they they kill off like a third of the people. Um, or let's just say a quarter or an eighth, um, that $210 trillion might be enough to give everybody a million dollars worth of Bitcoin, you know, and then, you know, and then, hey, I'm everybody. And, and what would that be, Brian? It'd be communism, right? Because everybody would be equal. Everybody yeah. would be the same. Everybody would own a million dollars worth of Bitcoin. And uh, they're already trying to get us out of our houses and move us to the cities, you know, where they can easily control us. So you won't have a house payment to worry about. All they'll have to do is, like you said, uh, and I don't know what that mark is going to be. Wouldn't it be interesting if it was the little Bitcoin symbol on your forehead? (laughs) No. But but we were talking, um, kind of meshing this into what we were talking about earlier, too, is the – the nanobots, because we were, well, we already talked about it, because if they can tell where you are, you know, through the mark of the beast, maybe the mark of the beast is the nanobots inside of you. You know, maybe it's um, it's creating, there's a new book out called Homo Deus, D-E-U-S. Uh, we just bought it, and I'm going to read it, and it's supposedly um, talking about all these different technologies that are, are coming into play and how they'll, they'll be coalesced into one another and they'll all be used against us um, mm-hmm. to create a different a different human. And I find it kind of interesting because you and I and everybody that believes in Yeshua or Jesus, if you decide to call him that, but um, it says if, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, old things are passed away, all things are new. So in essence, we are different. We're not we're still in the body of Homo sapiens. Don't get me wrong, but you know something has happened to us. We're we're a new creature in God's eyes, anyway. Yeah, so right. how, what better way for Satan to, to mimic that and to make it so that he's got his own race of people? Okay, and the way to do that would be to give them the mark of the bees, have them accept it willingly, because coming to Jesus is is a willing thing. You know, he doesn't force himself on anybody. But the Antichrist is going to do it. He's going to say, well. You don't come to me. You don't eat. And eating's—I don't know. I don't know about you, but I, I enjoy eating, um, and and I enjoy a lot of things that require money. <laughs> but um, so if you if he forces them to do that, it's not willing. And but at the same time, 
I've noticed over the last 40 years, because I, I think both of us have been saved more than 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've noticed that uh, people, there's been a, a falling away, a great falling away, actually, um, yeah. from, from the faith, especially in this country and other countries, God knows. But uh, other countries, actually, there's revivals because there's persecution. But um, in this country, there's a falling away so that, um, if if somebody were to come up and say, well, you know, there's a famine going on right now, and and um, if you would just follow me, if you would commit to me, and or come unto me, and take my mark, I, I promise you, you'll never starve again. You'll have adequate housing, um, adequate clothing. Um, you'll have a job uh, and everything else. Sure, people are going to jump on that like there's no tomorrow. Look at the stimulus checks. That's all anybody ever talked about for for weeks was, oh, how much did you get? You know, uh, yeah. one one guy said he was delivering a television set, and after he was when he was walking out, um, somebody yelled out, "Hey, the stimulus TV is here!" Um, so <laughs> it's, it's that's good. It's um, but you know, uh, oh, I got a, one more thing that I'll chime in real quick is. Uh, when I lived in North Carolina back in 2004, I went there to work for my uncle. And you, really, folks, if think twice before you go to work for a relative. Um, doesn't work very well. Uh, maybe in some instances, but in my case, it didn't. But anyway, um, I went to go get insurance on my car or my truck. And um, they told me that they did a credit score. They wanted my credit score. Okay, now it wasn't the best and it wasn't the worst. Okay, it was mid to mid to high mid, you know. And I found out that I was going to be paying more on insurance than somebody that had a perfect credit score. And I said, "Why is that?" Well, we we just judge by your credit score. You know, if you have a good credit score, you pay less in insurance. And I'm like, so if this right. guy is is a millionaire and he drives like, you know drives like hell, excuse the phrase, um, you know, it puts other people's lives in danger and everything else. He can get a better credit, a better insurance or cheaper insurance than I can. And if I'm a careful driver and I haven't had, you know, <laughs> I don't knock on wood anymore. Um, but, I, you know, tickets or, or accidents since 1978, you know, and it's like, I would have to pay more insurance for that. Thank you. <laughs> I couldn't resist. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I'd have to pay more insurance because because my my credit score is lower. You know, and I, and I said, what sense does that make? You know, the guys put other people's lives in danger. I'm a careful driver. My credit score is not that good, but I have to pay more. I said, yeah. who came up with this bright idea? You know, and the lady agreed with me. You know, she's like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me either. And I understand other states are doing that too. So if they're doing it for insurance, for goodness sakes, what else are they doing? They're going to start doing it for pretty soon. So <laughs> anyway, I will, I will leave it with that. But with the, with the nanobots, um, uh, so are there scriptures that talk about that? Um, specifically or that you know of i i think i know of one of them but about the nanobots in scripture yeah i mean turning us into superhumans or something like that or well i, I read an article today um that china's doing research into that that using it to manipulate human ability 
Uh, they're actually not just doing it in humans. They're they're in the process of creating their own human with this nanobot technology, like almost like a uh, like a, the, the Will Smith movie I talked about earlier. You know, uh, iRobot, but mm-hmm. but they'll look human. So uh, basically, breeding human embryos with nanobot technology in a lab and using that type of situation, using women, obviously, to bear these children, but eventually not even using women to make them. I, I, right. I can't even talking about this stuff. This stuff is, sounds like it's crazy, but it's really what's going on. Um, the governments are speeding fast ahead as fast as they can with this technology, the nanobot technology. I mentioned it earlier, Dave, the driverless cars. It's not just driverless cars. They want, they want um, jets without pilots, tanks without uh, a driver. Uh, this, this technology is not going to just be used for medical, you know, for cancer research or curing cancer or even the coronavirus. It's going to be used for control. I mean, you have military. To, military used to be to fight battles to protect your sovereign land. Now military is used to control your land inside. I mean, uh-huh. some of the South American countries, Iran, China, South Korea, their military is used to keep their people, own people under control. And so mm-hmm. that's what's actually that's what's happening with the Biden administration. There's there's a I haven't seen it physically. I've heard about it, read about it. There's a 12 foot high fence around the, the Capitol. And I think around the White House, they have 5000 troops there guarding. Why are they doing that? Mm-hmm. No president's ever done that. The only time the, house, the White House was guarded was during the Civil War. Uh, and that's right. It hasn't oh. happened since then. And so I, I don't mean to go on the bunny trail here. Sorry about that. But mm-hmm. everything that's not everything, but a lot of the stuff technology wise that's being developed right now, the main purpose of it is to control the population. To right. either medically control them, physically control them. It's that's what it's meant to do. You know, that's, that's just where it's at. So it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy time. And the nanobots um, technology is, like I said to you earlier, what penicillin did in the beginning of the last century is the nanobot technology in this century. It's going to change everything because it's going to miniaturize everything. They're going to use little uh, nanobots the size of an atom to build things that we could never build before because one builds another and then another and another like they're like ants when they work they work together in unison right and, and they're mm-hmm. controlled and ai controls them and then they are used to build whatever you want so you know it's just it's just it's just that's where it's at right now right so, yeah you know um there's there's a modern um and I've never asked you how you feel about this, so <laughs> I don't know. No, no. We'll see. Um, about Joel's army in uh, Joel chapter 2, because there, there are people out there that think it's talking about uh, believers. And um, I, I, take to, to, I tend to take another route on that, and that it's uh, a demonic cord. 
Uh, it's called Joel's Army. If you look it up, there's a lot of ministries that are that are going into that and believing that um, that this is talking about believers uh, during the um, the tribulation period, which is funny because there there supposedly is not going to be any church during the revelation period. So um, anyway, um, so I, I would just like to read this real quick and, and get your yeah. thought on it. And I think it's talking about. Uh, genetically modified human beings but um it says blow you the trumpet in zion and sound an alarm on my holy mountain and let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the lord cometh and it is nigh at hand a day of darkness and gloominess a day of clouds and thick darkness as the morning spread upon the mountains a great people and strong and there has not been ever the like neither sure there be ever after it even in the years of many generations a fire devoureth before them, uh, and behind them a flame burneth, and the land is as, is as a garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolation, desolated wilderness, yea, and nothing shall escape from them. And the appearance of them is the appearance of horses, and as horsemen so shall they run. Which is weird. So how, how do people are going to run like horsemen? That's weird. Anyway, um, like the noise of chariots on the tops of the mountains shall they leap. Like the noise of the flame of the fire that devoureth the stubble shall a strong people sit and uh, as a strong people sit in a battle array. Before their face, the people of sh- shall much be pained. All the faces shall gather blackness. Then they shall run uh, like mighty men and they shall climb the wall um, like men of war and they shall march one on one in his ways, and they shall not break their ranks. Neither shall uh, one thrust another, and they shall walk one in his path, and when they fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. They shall run it, uh, to and fro from the city, uh, and, they shall, where they, and they shall run upon the wall, and shall climb up on the houses, and they shall enter uh, the windows like a thief. Uh, the earth shall quake before them, and the heavens shall tremble, the sun and the moon shall be dark, and the stars shall overflow or shall uh, withdraw with shining, and the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great, for he is strong and executeth his word, for the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who can abide in it? Now, I think that a lot of people get um, the, the, the thinking that this is the these are Christians or believers because it's mm-hmm. called the army of the Lord, but, you know, the Lord used Nebuchadnezzar. He called Nebuchadnezzar his son, I do believe, um, mm-hmm. And so he's used a lot of armies in for his purpose um, in, in the past. So um, and and some of the things that these things do, I don't see believers doing. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, they shall fall on a sword, and it shall not kill them. Um, this this kind of tells me that maybe this is a, a superhuman sort of aspect that this army's going to have a. Um, uh, a genetically modified uh, humanity. Um, the, the New Age calls it, what is it, uh, Homo Noeticus. Um, and I don't know exactly what that means, but um, but it means man of something. Um, but anyway, so if, if they can modify genetically a uh, whole, um, everybody, what a, what a thing to place in front of people. Um, remember um, in the Garden of Eden, uh, the devil or Satan or Lucifer told um, Eve, you, you shall not surely die. You will not die. Okay. Well, 
yeah, she didn't die physically, but spiritually, you know, she died. Um, and that's why Yeshua had to come to bring us back to life and in fellowship with the Lord. But um, anyway, um, what a promise to make to people. You know, hey, if you follow me and you take my mark, I'm going to give you this injection. These nanobots are – and this is – okay, this is a, a kind of a sci-fi thing, folks, but it's a possible thing. Um so these things are going to go into you, and they're going to fix everything that's wrong with you. If any of your tissues break down, um, we're going to go in and we're going to repair it. If you get cancer, it's going to go in and cure the cancer. Um, it, you know, you, you could basically live forever. You will not die is what it is. And another promise that he made to, the, to uh, Eve was you shall be like the most – well, he actually, he said that. But he said to, to Eve, you'll be like God because you'll, you'll know the difference between good and evil. Um, so the promise of deity and the promise of uh, eternal life, I think, is what's going to get people to take uh, the mark of the beast. And if it happens to be nanobots that are put in through an injection or some way, then it's very possible that uh, this, this, could, this nanobot technology and, and like you mentioned, what better way to keep track of people than if they have these little radios inside of them that are monitoring, you know, and each one of them uh, takes on part of your DNA. And so, it, you know, everybody's DNA would be mapped by these things. It's probably already mapped already. Um, mm-hmm. And it'll report back to the satellites. You were talking about Elon Musk and the satellites. And the satellites mm-hmm. will go, okay, well, there's Dave, you know. I don't plan on being here. Uh, but there's Dave, you know, and he's he's walking out to his truck, and he's being a, a good citizen. He's getting in his truck, and okay, now five minutes later, okay, he's going down the highway, and he's heading toward the freeway, and okay, and now he's, you know, he's driving into work, and he's going to work, so he's being a good citizen, so we can be reasonably sure that he's going to be okay today, so let's flip and look at somebody else, you know, um, right. or just keep their eyes on me the whole day, um, but anyway, it's it's it's... It's scary, and it used to be inconceivable, I think, but I think it's very conceivable now, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, what what's happening now, I mean, it's just what's going to come out technology-wise in the next 10 years is going to be mind-blowing, I think. You know, right. um, I just, I mean, we. <laughs> I grew up in the, well, I'm a, I'm a I was a teenager in the 70s, and I remember when it went from 8-track to cassette, and I thought that was a big deal. Okay, I know everybody's laughing at me online, okay, but I just remember that was a big deal. We went from something, you know, this big to something like this big, and and then we went to the DVDs and the CDs uh, later on, about 20 years later, something like that, maybe a little longer. So technology is just exploding, and I think that's where it talks about in Daniel – 12.4 will go to and fro and knowledge will increase. And in uh, that passage, that word knowledge, it, it basically means everything that man knows will increase right. over, over. So I've mentioned this in other shows. I don't have the notes in front of me, but knowledge increased one time in like a thousand years. And then it got up to the night, you know, like 1900, 1901, 19, from 1900 to 1950, it increased. I forgot how many, like a hundred times. It it just Mm -hmm. went because we went from horse and buggy to aircraft to jet. Right. And now 
everything that we have, uh, and this was a few years ago when I did this, everything but knowledge, everything that mankind knows about everything doubled, I think, once a year. And this was year, this is 10 years ago. So that is probably, I don't know what it is now, but it's probably six months, three months. I mean, you could buy a brand new iPhone right now. And in six months, they're already coming out with something else that's far greater. And there's more, like we even, I think we talked about this, Dave, that there's more computer in my iPhone than there was in the Apollo mission. You know, the, right. the, the, lunar, the lunar lander that landed on the moon. I have more mm-hmm. computer power in this phone sitting on my table. It's just, and it's, it's great because technology is really good. I mean, horse and buggies were great, but isn't it nice to get in your car and drive? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I've been on horse. I grew up on a ranch. I love horseback. But it's a lot easier to get on the freeway like I-5 and be 65 to 70-ish and get somewhere, you know, instead mm-hmm. of getting on the one horsepower and taking two or three days to go where you go in an hour, you right. know. And so technology is awesome, but man is evil, mankind, and is using technology for evil. And the evil is to control us, to manipulate us, to get us to do what they want to What it comes down to is, uh, and like with our new president, and not just him, but the Democrat Party, the socialist part of the Democrat Party, I should say, because there's a lot of good Democrat people out there that are good people. I call them the John Kennedy Democrats. You know, John Kennedy right Mm -hmm. now would never be elected president. He would never make the primaries. He's too conservative. Um, But the socialist part of the Democrat Party isn't about helping us. It's about controlling us. It's about having power for a few people, and money is power. Well, what's going to be more than money that's going to be power is that's always going to be powerful, but now it's technology. Because you can have a lot of money, but if you don't have the technology, you're not going anywhere. And so Mm -hmm. you've got to have the tech you got to have the money. you got to have the resources. And that's where these uh, social, these uh, I call them long, right, socialist companies like Facebook, they're basically a socialist company, uh, Twitter, all these, these, these companies are using our information now against us. Mm-hmm. And eventually we're gonna, they're going to combine, what they're doing now, they're going to combine with the governments of the world, the, the major governments, especially Europe, and they're going to combine their power with them and use this nanotechnology, use this AI to basically in the satellite system that Elon Musk and others are putting up there, all going to be together. It's going to come together at one point in time where the Antichrist is going to have just uh, unlimited power and resources to do whatever he wants. And how can I always thought uh, growing up, how can they make everybody take it? Because you could run out into the mountains. You can go into the Nevada desert. You can learn how to survive off the land. Well, you almost can't get away from them now. Um, mm-hmm. Especially if you take these vaccines. You might have had a vaccine when you were a young boy, but now that what's in that vaccine is still in your body. You're out hiding from the government, but you didn't realize when they gave you that vaccine, they put a tracker in you. You don't even know it. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about now with our children and even before now. And so you, you can't even hide from these people because they have the technology to find you. Uh, they have right. infrared heat sinks, uh, sensors. They have everything. Um, it's just and it's all used to bring a one world order, one world government. That's what it's all about. 
Satan wants to copy what Jesus was is going to do. Jesus mm-hmm. said he's going to come back and set up his kingdom. Satan or the Antichrist, which means like, but not the original, but like, is going to copy the Lord and do miracles, do signs, do wonders to get the, the world to believe he's the Messiah. Dave, you already know this. And mm-hmm. so the technology being developed today is going to help that person do that. And I believe he also have supernatural abilities from Satan himself. But the false prophet Antichrist will also have technologies to control those people and to do some of these things and to copy what Jesus is going to do. And that's one of the things like uh, Jesus died and rose again on the third day. Obviously, everybody knows that. A lot of people know that. He died for our sins. In the middle of the tribulation, the Antichrist is going to be slain and be killed, and he's going to rise up. Mm-hmm. And so he's copying everything that Jesus did. He's going to copy to make himself right. look like he's the original, but he's the fake. He's the counterfeit. And all this technology we're talking about tonight, and it all even the, the vaccines everybody's getting, I, I would just and really uh, – implore people out there to really do your research on these vaccines before you put them in your body. Don't take right. it my or Dave's word, but really look at what's in them then and go to the websites that they don't want you to go to. Cause uh, if you go to the Pfizer website, they're not going to tell you anything. So, but these technologies are going to be used by the antichrist. They're being used on us right now. They're tracking us mm-hmm. to our teeth can track you on your phone. You know, your phone through Google has a record of every place you've been to. And I don't know if mm-hmm. most people know that, but it has a, you can look back 12 years ago where you went, it'll tell you where you went. And and it's like, wow. I, I mean, I don't remember where I went four days ago and they're telling me where I went 12 years ago. So this is all technology. It's, it's good, but it's, it's going to be used for bad, and it's being used for bad right now. Uh, it's being used to hurt people and to control people. And one of the things I read about uh, yesterday and today is uh, a big thing being used against us is, isn't is just technology. And I'm speaking to anybody out there who's in fear. Fear is a huge manipulator that they're using against us. Fear mm-hmm. of dying virus, fear of getting the virus, fear of giving it to one of our loved ones, fear of going to the store, fear of going to church, fear of worship and singing a song to God, all fear, all fear based. And if you really look at the science and all that, uh, kids from birth to 18 years old, the, the infection rate is like almost nil. It's very, 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 very low. And also the spread rate from them to adults is very, very low. It's the elderly, you know, over 65 or 70 with underlying conditions. And I know we've gone over this. I'm beating a dead horse here with the virus. My point is, it's fear. God doesn't mm-hmm. want his people to be afraid. Right. Not afraid. Fear, and I, I, I've been afraid. I'm not saying I'm not, but I have been. And it's easy too. But when you're afraid, it's kind of a way of telling God, I don't quite trust you 100% with the situation right now, Brian. Uh, I mean, God, because 
I, I'm kind of fearful because this is what I think we should do. We should do A, B, C, and D. But God's mm-hmm. saying, no, anything right now, just trust me. Well, I have to wait for you. And, you know, I'm not a good person. I don't like to wait, you know, because I want it fixed now. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. God wants it fixed now in his way. And so I'm, and this is just because there's a lot of fear right now out there. And I'm, there's nothing to be afraid of. If you're a believer tonight and you know the Lord in your heart, you have nothing to be afraid of. Nothing at all. God has got you by his arms. He's holding you. He's protecting you. He knows what you're going through tonight. He knows all the fears and anxieties. And you know what? He still loves you. He still cares for you. He still, when you go to bed tonight, he'll put you to sleep and, and help you to rest. And he'll wake you up in the morning if it's his if if that's his plan, unless he takes you home, but he's, mm-hmm. he's in control and all this technology and all this stuff that humans are making is nothing compared to one word that Jesus speaks. Cause it says in revelation 19, that when he comes back, a double-edged sword comes out of his mouth and he slays the nations by speaking. He speaks. They have nukes. They have all these laser weapons and these, uh, these, these the rail guns on ships now. They have Superman. Superman. Um, you, there's all these superheroes we see on TV. All his power is, you know what his superpower is? He just has to speak. And there's a time coming, um, and I can't remember the exact past, but Dave, you know, uh, where the hell, oh, it's in Revelation, I can't remember, the, maybe 21 or 22, where the heavens and the earth are going to melt. No, it's in Peter are going to melt with an intense heat and, right. and, and basically just burn up. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the atom, the, the atom that we're made out of, that everything is physically made out of, the way it's put together, the scientists aren't quite sure why it doesn't just fly apart on its own. That's, by the way, that's what a nuclear explosion is, is an atom just separating and separating and separating in a chain reaction. And so they're not sure why the atom and the nucleus of the neutrons around the atom don't just blow apart. What's keeping it together? They're not quite sure. Maybe they have already found out. A few years ago, I looked into this, and they weren't quite sure what's keeping it all together. I know who's keeping it together. Jesus is keeping it together. Yeshua is keeping it together. And all he has to say is, I let go. I don't think I'm going to hold it anymore. And right. everything's gone. And I'm mm-hmm. saying all this to you guys out there. That's who our God is. That's how powerful he is. He doesn't need nanobots. He just needs mm-hmm. to say, I let go, and everything's gone. Thank God he doesn't do that right now because we're still here. Yeah, <laughs> but really. The good news is if you belong to him, um, he's on your side. He's for us, not against us. And we're not to be afraid. We're not to have a spirit of fear, as it says. A spirit of, of just, of not, a, not to be afraid to have courage in these times. Because um, don't trust man. Trust what God says. And and, and I, I plug this all the time, and I'll be done, Dave, is oh, this, this time in history, right now, at this very moment, tonight, is a time more than ever that we need to be praying, worshiping our God together as a community more than ever. 
It says in the scriptures, do not forsake the assembling of the saints together, especially as you see the day of his coming approaching. approaching. And we see that. We don't know what day it is. There's, uh, there's no date. But he's given us signs that to look. And, man, all the signs are everywhere. You don't even have to be a prophecy guy, a Bible prophecy, to see that something big is about to happen and is going on. So he's coming back for us. He's got a home in heaven, and I believe it's a physical place in another dimension that we can't see. But it's as physical as this table I knocked on earlier. You can hear now. It's physical, and you're going to see your loved ones there that have gone before you that know the Lord. There's going to be a reunion in heaven. There's water in heaven. As it says, the river of life flows from God's throne. Um, There's the angels in heaven. There's trees in heaven. They bear fruit. I mean, it's as physical as the earth, but it's perfect. And it's a million times greater. So I'm saying all this because we we talk about a lot of stuff that's fearful. But Dave and I, I believe we do it for your information to be wise. It says be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. And to know what the will of God is in these last days, you need to be praying and be sober spirit, sober minded. So we're giving information out. You guys understand what's really going on. And I know there's other sites out there that do the same thing. And God bless them. I'm glad they're there. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my get the sermon. Get by the sermon for 1999. It's a joke, folks. It's a joke. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, you know, in that, in that scripture to be wise as serpents. If you ever watch a snake um, or any kind of lizard, actually, because those are serpents, too, um, they tend they're they're, they're never. They may sleep, but they they are they're always sensing. Okay, I mean you can walk up on a sleeping snake, okay, but he's not going to sleep for long once you walk because they can they can feel the vibration in the ground of you walking. Um, they have scent, snakes have little scent glands on their nose where they can smell things. Mm-hmm. Um, or they, no, actually those are for temperature. I think uh, they smell with their tongue. Actually, that's when a snake sticks out his tongue, he's actually uh, getting different. Um, molecules out of the air and, and, and assessing them in his brain. Snakes are very smart animals. Um, I don't like them. I hate them, as a matter of fact, but they're very smart animals. And um, what we're given is we're given a discernment from the Holy Spirit. We're able to, if we're walking in him, we're able to see what's going on. We're able to hear and smell what's going on, and we're able to react to that, much like a snake does in the physical realm. We do that in the spiritual realm. And I think that uh, that's something that's far lacking. I think God gives discernment to everybody that comes to him. Um, there's people in the world that don't know God that have discernment. Um, some of them it's natural. Others, they get it through supernatural means, uh, the occult. But um, that's that's definitely discouraged. But um, so I don't, you know, myself, I, I don't understand how people can get through life without um the godly discernment, because the godly discernment is what allows you to interpret what's evil and what's not evil. Um, other people have it codified for them. Uh, they have it in, uh, you know, basic law. They have it in the Torah uh, or the law of Moses, um, which codifies what's good and what's bad and things like that. But um, God has been faithful. Yeshua has been faithful to give us a spirit the Holy Spirit that allows us to see things and hear things and smell things and touch things that aren't there. 
um, talk to anybody basically that's walked in that realm, and you could you could, you know when there's an evil spirit in the house. You know you can mm-hmm. feel it. You can feel that that chill go up and down your spine. You know, and then you know there's there. We got a, a little dog here that uh, his name's Buddy, and um, when we lived in um, up and down Eugene, um, one day he just went running to the door. You know, barking his head off. And I'm like, what in the heck? You know, and uh, the light didn't come on outside or anything. And as I approached the door, I, you know, I got that feeling. I got that chill up and down my spine and I knew something was there. So, you know, we prayed against it and it, it was gone. And, um, but, uh, you never know those things are there if you don't have the Holy Spirit to tell you that they're there. Um, I work in an arena where, um, not in an actual arena, um, but in an area of, of work in the medical field that deals with mental illness. And some of mental illness is biological, some of it's uh, organic, and some of it's demonic, okay? And I've been in situations where I've, you know, we get called on our codes because somebody's yelling and threatening, and, and and I'll go there, and I'll stand in the background, and I'll just start praying. And I'll, you know, the guy, and I, I think I've told this story maybe five or six times on this on this format, but um, the guy will be screaming, you know, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill you, you know, and I just start praying to the Lord, just let's, can we start bringing his temperament down? Can we start making it from a loud yell to a mild yell? And that happens. And then I, you know, I pray for a loud talk instead of a mild yell. And then that happens. And by the time we're done praying, the guy is agreeing to walk into the side room, and which is where people go when they they start acting out if they're if they're a threat, and and they go in there and after a little while they come out and they're just fine. So when I go down there, I know that it's it's a spiritual thing, and I know that this guy is never going to calm down. You can put hands on him, you know, and, and take him down to the floor and put him in restraints, but why do that? When you can sit there and you can pray in the background that the Lord takes control of the situation, that he mm-hmm. calms the guy down, that he brings him back to a, um, a right mind or nearly a right mind um, to where he can communicate with us and realize that he's blown it and 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 things like that. And um, <laughs> I remember one time we went to one and, and th- that's exactly what happened. The guy de-escalated pretty quickly. And I said, yeah, I, I was in the back praying the whole time about it. And, and you know, every time I asked the Lord for something, it happened. And my one uh, co- guy in my cohort, he says, well, you're coming with us Nick, every time we have a code green, <laughs> you know. <Yeah>. And uh, <laughs> and it was really neat because it was a testimony, you know, that, that God took over the situation, that Jesus was there and, and took over the situation and um and brought the guy back to a halfway decent right mind to where he could know what he was doing wrong. <clears throat> but anyway, so we're equipped. If, if we want to use those tools, um, we were equipped with the Lord that will manifest those things through us. And um, it's a shame. It really is a shame that more people don't use it. Um, which I'm, I'm going to have a really weird segue into the next subject, Brian. Um <laughs> So, so what if you're in a a driverless car and the thing just all of a sudden takes off with you? Because <laughs> um, we're going to talk about that tonight, folks, because that fits in with uh, what we're talking about, uh, what society's coming to, what um, what technology is leading up to, and and uh, 
And I, when we were kids, we watched a show called The Jetsons. And The Jetsons was cool because, you know, they, they lived in this little house that was kind of up in the sky. And the guy drove this little um, little thing to work that uh, it made a little strange little noise when it took off. I can't even uh, mimic it. But um, And he'd go to work and, and he'd come home and they had a robot that did all the housework and stuff like that. And I think that's what everybody expected. And um, who was it? There's there's a group out there. Um, it's 1999. Where are the flying cars? I think was one of the songs that they sang. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I um, remember that. Yeah. So it's it's you know we were promised that you know by the year 2000 we were going to have flying cars and and everything else. And of course you know that, that never happened. But uh, not to my knowledge anyway. But um, so. But what they're trying to do is um, they're trying to do two things. First of all, they want to get rid of, and this, and this is a socialist aspect, they want to get rid of fossil fuels um, because they, they think that the fo- fossil fuels or the burning of fossil fuels is causing the earth to deteriorate, causing global warming, um, which if you're in, here in the United States this winter, um, even as far down as Texas and Mississippi, you realize that global warming is a sham. Um but um, so they're they're trying to use all this technology to prove that that things are 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 going to get better, but actually they're getting worse. Um, uh, there was a uh, Brian, a little levity here. There was a um, a cartoon on Facebook. No, it was on Facebook. I'm not on there anymore. It was on. Um, it doesn't matter. It was online, and. It had one picture of Joe Biden saying, I'm sending Hunter down to, to Texas. And another picture with Barack Obama with his head in his hands going, no, Joe, they have cracked pipes down there, not crack pipes. So <laughs> anyway, um, so, you know, things things are really getting bad out there. But um Anyway, so they're promising us now that uh, they're going to get rid of all things that burn fossil fuels. And here in Oregon, they're, they're kind of leading the, the the war on that, or or the the governor um, is. And I don't talk much about her because I don't like her, but I pray for her. Psalm one hundred nine. And um, but anyway, uh, you know, she wants to get rid of. Uh, we're a farming state here. We we farm a lot here. Uh, I mean, where I am here is called the gra- uh, what is it, grass seed capital of the world, and um, and there's cows and and there's all kinds of stuff. You can get everything you want to here to eat in in Oregon. It's really great, and California for the most part too. Um, but she wants to get rid of everything that burns diesel, uh, especially if it was uh, from 2006 and older. Now. Most farmers have equipment out there, that, and farmers don't have a lot of money, and what they do is they just fix what they have. So a lot of their equipment's, you know, 2006 or older. Um, a lot of the diesel trucks that drive, everybody in this county has a diesel truck. It's, it's bizarre. Um, but uh, so she wants to get rid of all those, and, and a lot of the uh, dump trucks and stuff here are diesel. And um, so the alternative is you have to buy a new rig. And I don't know if you've looked at the, um, the price of diesel trucks out there, but you can't oh, yeah. get them for under $60,000 for just a, a stripped uh, Ford diesel truck. Maybe, yeah. maybe 40 if you, if you can really work a deal. But, um, so, you know, there's, it, it's just going to impact the state in such a bad way. And that's why I'm, I'm really glad for our Republican legislatures, um, 
legislators who are really fighting this. But anyway, um, her ideal thing would be for everything to be electric, which is I really have a hard time understanding why she wants to take down five or six hydroelectric dams in order to save the salmon, um, which are doing just fine, you know, last time I heard. But um, the whole thing is to go electric, and if they go electric, um, they the government controls the power grid, and if the power grid goes down, then you don't go to work. You don't. Uh, our whole house here is electric. <laughs> you know, nothing happens unless you have a generator. But um, anyway, so the next thing that they're going into is uh, electric cars. Well, they have them already, but uh, driverless cars. And Brian, you you've studied a lot more on driverless cars than I have. So what you know? What are they? What are they capable of? What um, you know? What are they proposing? Well, a little story. The first driverless car that I know of was a '65 Ford Fairlane that I drove in the early '70s, and it was driverless because I was driving somewhere with my knee on the steering wheel, doing my hair. So because <laughs> I just got out of the shower, so I considered that the first driverless car. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, anyway. That's good, been, I like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the whole knee thing and you're doing stuff and you're, because you, anyway, because you were late to wherever you're going, so you're 18 uh-huh. years old and you're you're young and uh, uh, not as well informed in life. So, but the driverless car thing, <laughs> it's just. I'm sorry, that just touched me. <laughs> I know, uh, no, it's just. Uh, Young and dumb, you know, just uh, not <laughs> anyway. It's just um, the driverless car uh, um, is just another way. I mean, they do they do everything under the guise in technology is going to help your life and make it better, and it does. You know, you could be on a long drive, like from uh, where you live, Dave, down to the Bay Area, is eight, eight eight hours, nine hours. So. Right. Uh, down I-5 and going through parts of Reading, boy, that's a hard one. You know, it's just all flat. It's dry. And, you know, and I've driven that many times. And it's like, oh, just tired. See, the driver's car is great. You just punch it in and it gets you there. And next thing you know, you're there. But at say the same time, uh, it's during the tribulation and you're running for your life. And you have a driverless car. <laughs> you're done. <laughs> they just got to punch. They, just, they already know where you're at. They got you tracked. Even today, they track your car, and because um, cars have chips in them, especially the new ones from like 2000 till now, and then they can manipulate that car, make it go anywhere they want it to go, lock the doors on you, and you're just like you're done. So, but even before the tribulation, if you're driving those, um, you're being you're you're taking your freedoms away. Part of part of being human. Being just put, it's put aside the Lord. Just part of being human is experiencing things in life. Your first car, driving your first car. There's going to be a whole generation of people growing up that aren't doing it right now. Even I was thinking today, uh, yesterday, uh, my work truck at work broke down, so they gave me another truck. It's an '86 Ford uh, Slant Six. Uh, <laughs> no, it's a straight six cylinder. And it was a four-speed on the floor. It was a clutch. And I grew up driving a clutch. And I, uh, I, I had so much fun because I was, you know, I was power shifting down and 
you know, doing all this stuff and it was just enjoying it. It was for work, but it was, it was fun. And it reminded me of like how we used to drive stick shifts all the time. And there was a time where you, it was hard to get an automatic and now you can't hardly get a stick. And there's a whole generation of people, Dave, that are growing up that don't know what it's like to drive a clutch. I right. mean, they don't know. I mean, it's, everything is – and automatics are great. You know, they're awesome. And the way they make them now, it's just really built well. But um, there's a whole technology, and I'm, I'm saying that because that's part of life. It's not just the, the, the stick shift, let's say, but just – they're taking things from us that are part of being human and living on the earth and being having a life. They're making freedom. Us, they're taking our freedoms away. They're, it's a driverless car, but it's, you're taking your say you don't want a driverless car. Say you're going somewhere and you don't. And all of a sudden they say, no, you're not. You're not going to go there. Let's say you're working for a company that has a driverless car and you're wanting to go to McDonald's for lunch. But McDonald's is maybe a half mile further out of the way to, on your route. You're thinking I'm early for my next delivery, so I'm going to go to McDonald's because I have time. Your company's monitoring you and says, you know what? That Carl's Jr. is right on the same path, just a quarter mile up the road. And they see you wavering off there. This is all hypothetical, of course. Next thing you know, you're going to Carl's Jr. Because mm-hmm. they, some guy in the office says, no, you're not doing that. And you're, telling, and you're on the radio with them. I just want to go here. It's my lunchtime. Well, that's not making good time. That's not making good management of your time. You need to go here. That's a company car. This is where you're going to eat. I mean, it's hypothetical. Could it happen? Yeah, that can happen. It's not too far from the truth. They can see that happening real easy. They can have that. But that's what they got, folks. That's what they got. Um, I'm not a proponent of driverless cars. I don't want to ever be in a driverless car that I own. I I want to have the freedom to go where I want to go how I want to get there and what route I want to take and when I want to be there. So my, my point is all this stuff is that they're taking our freedoms away little by little. And we don't even realize we're the frog in the pot of cold water that's being heated up and we're boiling to death. And we don't even realize we're boiling to death. We're, we're mm-hmm. boiling to death. And we don't, most of us don't even see it. We're just like, ah, it's okay. Driveless cars, you know, or um, it's just, it, what what the stuff they're doing to us now and bringing in laws in and the way they're doing stuff 20 years ago, if they would do it 20 years ago, have done it then, there would be this huge protest, this huge uproar from all political beliefs in, in mm-hmm. religious beliefs. But now it's uh, this issue's COVID. It's for COVID. It's it's to save lives. It's to it's to better the planet, save the planet. You right. know? Um, it's interesting. Um, I read a verse. Where did I read it? I just saw it today. Maybe it was in Revelation. Yeah, I think it's in Revelation. Uh, maybe 18 or 19. Don't quote me on this, folks. But it's the scripture, and it says when Jesus comes back, he's coming back to defeat the armies of the world at the time, defeat the Antichrist, but also to come back and save the save the save the earth from the people destroying the earth. You know how they say they want to right. save the earth? Well, during that time, the earth physically is being destroyed by the humans that are there, not believers, unbelievers. Mm-hmm. The Antichrist, his armies in these countries, and they're just ravaging the earth. And God literally comes back to, to bring his kingdom, but to save the planet. I just saw right. that. 
for the first time. I go, wow, I didn't even realize it was there. And so Jesus is, is the ultimate uh, environmentalist. He, uh-huh. I mean, he's the, he's the one. He, he spoke it into existence. He made it with his, with his just thinking it. And he knows how to fix it. And he's going to come back and fix the environment. And so mm-hmm. I thought that's really cool. So here they're saying we're going to save the environment by, you mentioned, Dave, the electric car. I have a question for those people. What do you do with all the batteries? We do yeah, all the there you go. acid in them. What do you do with all mm-hmm. the battery acid? What do you do with the, well, we'll answer that. But, I mean, at work, we have a, a bin we have to put batteries in for recycling. But where do they recycle them? What do they? Waste has to go somewhere. Has to go somewhere. And so, uh, they if you ask a person that pushes electric cars or pushes electric things like that, that is against fossil fuel, they really haven't got an answer. They really, mm-hmm. really don't. And uh, and so, all this technology, the the nanobots, the electric cars. The driverless cars, the the you know all the drones they have now in the military and civilian. Um, it's taking men, men and women, out of the picture. Where mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's a big push for driverless diesel trucks for transporting our goods around the country, and they're making driverless trucks. And there's a big pushback because the unions, you know. They're going to lose jobs. These truckers are going to be out of business. And why would you want a driverless truck? They say it's to save money. Well, it's not just to save money. Yeah, that's part of it. But it's so these companies don't have to be reliant on people. Mm -hmm. These companies don't want to have to rely on us. They pay us a wage wherever you work for, Amazon or a, a, a county job or a city or you work for a contractor. It doesn't matter. They want to make it where they're not reliant on somebody else to do something. They want to be reliant on a machine to do it for them because they can program that machine to do anything they want it to do. And it won't talk back. It won't demand wages. It doesn't get tired. It doesn't get sick leave and vacation. It doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't require that. And so that saves them money, but it also gives them more power. Now they can do what they want. They can do whatever they want. They don't have to worry about uh, labor laws. They don't have. They could go any. You can go to any country in the world and set up shop, and they don't have to worry about any labor laws, any labor violations, anything. Well, they don't now. I mean, half these places that built, you know, half our stuff comes from China, from sweatshops. They're yeah, slave kids, labor. Slave, they're yeah. paying young kids ten to twelve years old a dollar a day, and I'm not exaggerating on that, folks. It's 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 not, and uh, and so. All this technology and everything we're talking about is about a one-world government controlling us to be their slaves and subservience to do their bidding. Is it slaves like during the ancient times building the pyramids? Not like that, but you get out of line, you say something that is not politically correct or socially correct, all they got to do is push a button. Brian just moved, and he doesn't even know it yet. He can't right. live in that house anymore. You know, um, that car he's driving, well, we're taking that car over here, and he's giving it to us, and he can't do anything about it because we have the control of that. I, 
And folks, if I'm doing all hypothetical and doing all these analogies. I'm trying to get the picture out there. This is what's really happening. It's happening before our eyes, and it's not going to stop. It's going to get worse. They're going to control more and more. These lockdowns, they did these lockdowns. They had a, the virus gave these governors an opportunity to do these lockdowns to see if the people would really do what they said. And we shocked mm-hmm. them, and we did. We did it for a couple of weeks, flattened the curve, then we did it till let's say, April or May. And now, now what is it? It's February of 2021, coming up on a year. And these governors and these politicians are like, wow, we didn't think they'd really listen to us. That's probably what they're right. thinking. Why aren't they pushing back more? And now some of us are, and we should push back. Because if we don't push back, we're not just going to lose the United States of America. We're going to lose our freedom for our children. Mm-hmm. And I don't say that lightly. I'm a believer. I know the Lord's coming back. As you know, I know there's a plan for us in heaven. But until we get there, we have a place to live. And that's the United States of America. And we are doing a disservice if we let this happen to everybody that's died for our flag since the Civil War. Everybody right. that's died since then until now and all our wars, all our conflicts and all the service men and women that are in there right now fighting for us, we're doing them a disservice if we let the country go this way. And God raised this country up uh, for many reasons it, to bless, I think, Israel. We've been a major protector of Israel. And um, those who bless Israel, God will bless. Those who curse Israel, God will curse. It's in Genesis, I think. So right. that's that's what one of the reasons. He also raises up to help other countries, to help other people. We're not a perfect country, not at all, but we're closer than most have gotten. Uh, and now, because of uh, people that have wrong motives, Wrong intentions, selfish intentions, narcissistic mm-hmm. politicians, power-hungry politicians, combined with the technology that we're talking about, there's pretty much, unless we push back, they're, they're not going to stop. Right. And I just implore anybody tonight, um, start voting um, the right conscience that God gives you, and also... Um, start being a voice, do research. We have our phones now. We have a library in our hand, literally. And like the, Dave, remember the Britannica encyclopedias? Yeah. It, it was like yeah, 20 pounds of books. <laughs> it was like 100 pounds of books. We have that in a little iPhone now, 10 times more. So mm-hmm. there's no reason for all of us to do our research, to know, to be. Uh, really up on what's going on. You don't have to memorize everything. Just know that you can get it off your phone. Right. And when you, when you, knowledge is power and knowledge is freedom. And I'll just end with this. Knowledge really helps you have peace. When you're doing a, when you're spending money more than you make and you're not making your rent, you're not making your house payment or car payment because you know you make a certain amount in your check but you're just depositing that check in your account 
paying bills but not keeping track where it's going. Next thing you know, you're getting late payments because you forgot to pay this or that. Mm -hmm. And you're scraping for money. But then it brings fear. You go to bed worried. Are they going to take my car? Are they going to take my house? Uh, My credit's going to be ding. But when you sit down and you write out the numbers of what you bring in and what goes out, then you have a picture right in front of you of reality. This is what I make. This is what I go out. And you look, oh, I actually make more, let's say, than I spend. But I'm spending all this money in these certain areas that really isn't helping me. So if I cut back on that, I have no problem making my bills. And now that little bit of that fear is gone because you have knowledge on the problem. Mm-hmm. And so fear is, is fearful because you have a solution in your head now on how to fix it. You know, you know what to do. It's the same thing what we're talking about, Dave and I and others, is have knowledge of the coronavirus, what's really going on with it. Have knowledge about the cryptocurrencies, about uh, just things that, that affect you. It doesn't mean, like I said, you have to memorize anything. You just have to have a phone and Google or search. And it's like you would search, if you can buy a new car, Dave, you would definitely research the kind of car you want and the safety record and the maintenance record. Sure. The same. And so mm-hmm. when you do that, folks, it actually, and you write a plan out, it takes a lot of fear and anxiety away from your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's when we get away from our plan, we get away from God in the center of our life, and we start doing our own thing and just taking one day haphazardly in another. Just one day, just kind of going through, floating through life, whatever comes our way. God mm-hmm. didn't want us to do that. He, Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Gone. Don't worry about uh, what's going to happen. Don't worry about what happened in the past. Don't worry about what happens in the future. Just take today. It's Matthew 6. And worry about today. And that's what we need to worry about. We need to plan, but you need to live the day. Don't, every day is a gift. And I, I didn't mean to go on this day, but Rush Limbaugh died last week. And I read mm-hmm. an article by James, James Rosen, who's a believer. He uh, lives in Israel. He's a famous author. And Rush Limbaugh got saved in 2019, I think in October. And if I remember the article right, and he he wrote about him and was amazed by him, uh, about his life and what he did. But he mentioned that you can have all these things and die and still go to hell. Jesus even said that in the Gospels. You can have all right. these riches, all this fame, all this stuff, and die and then go to hell. So what? So what is life without the Lord? Mm-hmm. And so Rush got saved, and I say this because uh, he's a he's a pretty. I know a lot of people don't like him, but he's a pretty big reason why Trump won the first time. He's a right. pretty big reason why the Republican. Mm-hmm. Party is even a Republican Party today. And he didn't know the Lord all those years, but he feared God. He grew up in a Christian home and he feared God and God respected him for that and honored him for that. And I would say today, that's our biggest issue in America is we've lost our first love for God and country. 
Our founding mm-hmm. fathers loved the Lord, but they loved their country. And they died for it, literally. Some of them, and heinously, were, were persecuted for their right. beliefs. And I would say, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Put him first. And pray for the United States of America. Because if things don't change, we don't have much time left. Uh, I know the Lord's coming back. I know that. But I'm hoping and praying that our country will stay pretty intact until he comes back. Because he's used us to send out missionaries to all the nations. And now it's time. Now they're sending missionaries to us. That's where it's gone. So put God first in your life. You don't have to be a perfect Christian. You just got to be a willing one. Mm -hmm. So that's right. You know, I was I was amazed, you know, because in working in health in the health field, um, you think that people would want to become more informed before making decisions. And I, I got to witness firsthand how propaganda works and um, especially amongst the people that don't know any better, like you were talking about um, or we've been yeah. talking about. Uh, researching things and especially discernment and things like that. And um, th- at work, there was a very, very um, intense push for getting the vaccine. Um, you didn't have to. You could decline. You know, I I did. <laughs> um, and uh, But, you know, those who got the vaccine, um, I work with um, – one guy in particular that's basically a megalomaniac. He, you know, he should have a shirt that says "I love me" and wear it every day. Uh, but uh, anyway, he um, he was making fun of people that decided not to get the vaccine. You know, yeah. and I and with this guy, it's like you know, you let it go in one ear and out the other. And uh, but there's there's been a lot of people that and and. The public relations campaign, I mean, sending you emails with people standing in front of a, the logos of the hospital I work in with signs saying, I got the vaccine, you yeah, know, so. and I'm like, well, a year from now, when, when you're having, you know, the ill effects of it, you know, um, and you and you asked me for a, a transfusion, well, I hope that our blood types mix because, <laughs> you know, that I'll be there for you, but not you could have prevented all this. Well, anyway, um, but here are people that could have looked at all the information. And I I realize that a lot of people watch the alphabet channels, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS, watch the news and, and they're sheeple. And, but, you know, I don't see why people aren't more informed. Um, There, I had a laugh. You know, uh, I think it's in Eugene, uh, KEZI. It's a yeah. news station down in Eugene. They actually had the gall to print something the other day. Evidence, uh, you know, experts are starting to think that the vaccine will prevent the coronavirus. And I'm like, well, yeah. isn't, isn't that what a vaccine's supposed to do, you know? So now they're finding evidence that it may may work, and I'm like, okay, well, that's what that's telling me that people that are getting it are the lab rats, you know, they're the yeah. ones that they're testing things out on. They're the guinea pigs. 
and um, and it just amazes me that the, the lack of knowledge that um, anybody that looked at that article should have come up with that. Anybody that's got you know more than ninety five um, uh, IQ should have said, "Wait a minute! I I thought it's supposed to do that. Why are they printing this?" But um, but other things that you read about, you know, there was a nurse that got it, and she got an embolism in her head the next day and dropped dead, um, or died. Sorry. Um, and then another, another, other people, you know, uh, oh, what was his name? Hank Aaron, you know, got the vaccine, and the next day he was dead. You know, yeah. granted he had underlying factors and stuff like that, but. You know, we got all this energy. We talk about tonight, we talked tonight about the Internet, how we have all these disinformation that we could get, uh, all, all the stuff we can access. And it's like, uh, what is that scripture that says, my people Israel die for lack of knowledge? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like you've, the knowledge is there. And we've never had it in the history of mankind where you could go and find out what you need to find out and and get a fairly accurate account of what's going on. And it's it's it amazes me, and it's like it's like Christians who put the Bible up on a shelf and never pull it down, you know. And then you you quote a scripture, and they're like, "That's in the Bible." Yeah, yeah, it's in the Bible. It's a very very um, pronounced uh, scripture that a lot of people use. And it, yes, it is in the Bible, but it's like um, it amazes me that so many people. You look at uh, what was it, Wycliffe, uh, Luther. Um, Tyndale, uh, all persecuted because they were willing to put the Bible into a um, the common man's language and print it so that the common man could have it and read it and know what the Lord required and requires. And now that we have more access to it than ever, nobody's reading it. It's almost like people crave things. Well. It, it is people crave things when they can't have them, you know, and yeah. it's it's does is it going to take for the, the government to say, OK, we're going to we're going to have a bonfire out in the street and you will bring your Bibles out and throw them in the bonfire for people to start realizing that we have this wonderful word of God that we can we can um, access that we can, uh, you know, read and have the Holy Spirit explain it to us. Um, and use it for the edification of the saints. Um, is that what it's going to take for for people to crack open their Bibles and read them again? My goodness, I you know I we were looking at scriptures tonight, and there's this other thing online, the Blue Letter Bible. I find it indispensable, and it's funny because uh, about a week ago we had power failure here. We had uh, bad weather up here. Actually, we didn't have power failure. We had internet failure, and I couldn't get on to look at Blue Letter Bible. And I find it easier because I can just type in a word and it shows me all the scriptures. It's like a concordance, you know. And um, so I said the minute that the Internet comes back on, I'm downloading eSword. Because that's, you know, that's another way to, to look up the Bible without that. And, yeah. um, and sure enough, the minute the Internet came back on, I downloaded eSword and every resource that I could possibly think of to, to, to study scripture. Um, but that's, you know, what if the computer goes out? Well, then, then we have to go to the scriptures and the concordance. Okay, we have that. But what about when they come to try to take that away or they do take it away, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard of societies um, where, uh, where was it? I think it was in the Middle East somewhere. No, it was in Russia. 
back in the 1980s. They'd get a Bible, they'd tear a page out of it, and they'd make everybody would memorize one page, you know, or they'd memorize one book of the Bible. I've, I've known people that can do that. That's, I find that amazing. Um, and that way, if they ever came to took the Bibles away, people have it up here and they have it in here, you know, in their hearts. And it'll never go away. It'll never die. And even if they, you know, even if there was one person left on earth that had one book left in his brain or in his heart, the Lord could bring it back at any time. He could bring back any scripture that he wants to to a person. Even if you haven't read that scripture, he'll bring it to you or tell you that it's there somewhere. So we have that promise and we have that hope that um, no matter what happens, his word is living inside of us. It's a living word, like you said, a double-edged sword. Um, mm-hmm. It's a living word. It, um, it's it's not just something that you read and retain. It's something that works inside of you. It's uh, it's um, just like the church. The church is an organization. A real church is an organism. It's a it's a living body of believers, living body of people that constitute basically the, uh, a different race. I would say, you yeah, know, of people right. on the earth and. Um, even uh, said, uh, some people have referred to the Christians as the Christian race, you know, believers as the Christian race. And um, I just think it's it's so important, um, especially in this day and age where they're restricting us from going to church and stuff, that, that people get the word out and they start reading, they start praying more. Um, things didn't really happen in the Bible until, uh, especially with Daniel, if you read uh, the book of Daniel, every time that that guy prayed earnestly, and prayed the supplication for the people of, um, well, it would have been Judah that went into exile. Uh, every time he did that, he got answers in the form of an angelic visitation and a um, and some kind of celestial or trip to the heavens to be able to be shown what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. You know, and imagine if we all did that. You know, like you said, this country is not perfect, but it's the best the best thing around right now. And um, to preserve it, we need to, to actually change our ways. There's a scripture that talks about that. Um, repent, change our ways, pray unto heaven, and then God will um, heal our people. And that's what we need to do, you know. And, uh, you know, we were real quick to, uh, oh, Lord, you know, let me be able to make the house payment or the car payment. And, you know, he honors prayers like that. But those are narrowing the focus right here on me. You know, but if I found more and more that as we pray for other people, the prayers that he knows what we need. So when we pray for other people, he gives us what we need. Okay, we don't even necessarily have to pray for it. He knows already. It says in Scripture, he already knows what you need and to trust him that he'll give it to you. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you're praying for other people, then, you know, he's going to honor that and turn that around and bring it back to you. You know, and then we don't do that to get that, of course. You know, that would be a selfish motive. But um, it's just it should be a natural thing in a Christian's heart to want to pray for others, even if you're not going to get something back, you know, um, because the ultimate thing is is praying for the souls. What's uh, the uh, I think Yeshua gave us two commandments. One of them was, well, three, actually. Um, to love the Lord God, love your neighbor as yourself, and the other one was to um, 
to remember his laws, to remember his rules, and to act upon them. And um, and those basically are the the the, the Trinity may have you of the um, of the Christian faith. And um, when when we uh, obey him by doing those things, it, it comes back to us automatically. Um, and then after a while, when you're doing that stuff, it, it turns into a habit. Um, you don't care about yourself that much anymore. You care about the other guy getting into heaven, uh, your coworker that's having a hard time praying for their uh, – um, I'm trying to think of a – praying for them to succeed, praying for them, first of all, to come to the Lord, but second of all, that – you know, that he would work some way in their life where they would recognize him and, and give him the credit and the glory and and then come to faith in him. And the whole thing should be to to bring people back around to to a Christ-centered uh, message. I know that when uh, we were, um, when we were, uh, count, uh, we didn't counsel, we advised. Um, can't counsel without a license anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. We used to advise people. We used to always listen. Okay, the first thing you do when you're advising people is you listen to their problem. Even if it takes them an hour or two to talk about it, you listen to them. And I always jot down notes and um, and pray that the Lord will give me an idea of what to talk about. And um, after they're finished and, you, you know, you say, okay, well, you talked about this. Let's Let's focus on this area. You know, and then you talk about that, and then you bring it back to the Lord. And then you go to the next area, you know, and you'll find that every problem that a person has has a root, and that that root sprout has sprouted and comes up into a tree. I just hit my microphone cable up, but it didn't make a noise. Um, sprouts up into a tree, and then the tree has branches. So everything starts down at the bottom. And you find out what that root is, what that cause is, and then you can build on top of that. And after a while, you can go up there and you can prune that tree and everything that's bad in that tree will come out of that tree. <coughs> and then the root system will um, will start to obey the tree instead of the tree obeying the root system. It's, um, it's an agricultural thing. But um, anyway... Um, so we, we, we have to be Christ-centered, Christ-focused, or Messiah-centered, Messiah-focused. Um, and everything has to point back to him. And I like one of the things that we've always been told about this show is that when we're talking, it's, people feel like they're sitting in the living room with us. And we're, you know, we're talking back and forth to one another, and they're able to enjoy the, enjoy the atmosphere, so to speak. You know, and especially now that we have it in video. And if you're listening on your car, I'm sorry. And don't try to watch. Um, Talk about driverless cars. Um, But anyway, um, so they they feel a comfort and a peace about that. And um, other shows I've I've noticed are are less for they're more formal. They're less informal. They um, they deal with the subject and it's almost like a news broadcast, whereas yeah. people have said no. We, you guys are like you know you you I'm like a, with a group of friends when you guys are talking you know and, and I'm learning and I'm listening and I'm and I'm getting things and gain taking them in. It's more like a Christian setting than it is mm-hmm. a, a broadcast center. You know, sorry yeah. I talk with my hands. It's just a habit. Um, 
But anyway, this that's one of the things that the, uh, there's a marker between what's a what's a time of fellowship and what's a time of um, uh, a show. That's why I never like to call this a radio show. I like to call it a program. Um, mm-hmm. A show to me is the circus. Mm-hmm. The circus is a show. The the movies are a show, um, and things like that. No, this is a, it's a broadcast, or it's a, I don't even like the word program because program is like you're being programmed, like you would you're writing a computer program. But um, it's it's a lot better than show because I don't want this to be a circus, um, even though I look like I could probably be in a circus. Um, just kidding, uh, but. <laughs> Anyway, um, so there, there's going to come a day, I know, um, that you know you and I are going to be cut off of this thing because that's the way technology is going. Um, we lost our YouTube channel. Actually, I, I lost it for us because I wanted to get to them before they got to us. Yeah. Uh, they, started taking our, they started taking our stuff off, and, um, and we lost our freedom of speech and, and got rid of Twitter and got rid of Facebook and now I'm using Gab and uh, MeWe and um, well, we're on Rumble now for the videos. And um, people on Rumble love us. Every day I'm getting five or six different people saying that they're watching us now on Rumble. Oh, wow. And it's growing. Great. It's growing exponentially, whereas YouTube, I think that uh, uh, – YouTube was exposed to me as being a liberal format because not too many people were coming and, and joining us on, on uh, YouTube. But uh, on Rumble, it's um, I'm having conversations with people all the time, seems like. So um, so thank you, Rumble, for the service that you offer. And we're going to be going on yeah. BitChute here pretty soon in other places. But, um, yeah, there's going to come a day where one day, you know, all those, those media – formats are going to be closed down and we're not going to be able to do this so we have to take the time that we're giving and use it given and use it wisely and i think we do i think we use it very wisely and i think the lord is um it's funny you know in the history of this this radio um broadcast there um it's um it's always been to where even if we we came in and didn't have a subject to talk about the Lord would always give us a subject to talk about, and he still does. Yeah. You know, and um, a lot of it's, a lot of it it was, seemed like it was just off the cuff, and that's good because people like that, you know. Um, people like when you go down rabbit trails. I don't know why, but they do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm known for that. I'm a, I'm a rabbit trail kind of guy. I think Alice would have loved me in Wonderland. But, um, <laughs> Anyway, um, so we provide a service to, to people that, you know, where we, we pour out our hearts, which, and hopefully we have the heart of Christ when we're, when we're pointing at, pouring out our hearts. And, um, and I think there's a genuineness about our, um, broadcast. If I keep saying it enough, I'll, I'll start taking it in. I'll, I'll quit saying show forever. Um, (laughs) but, uh, so, I think that um, judging by the numbers of people that are coming and listening all the time now, it's um, it's growing and and we're providing a service to people that that is sorely needed because anybody can go to one of those other shows that are out there um, and it's constantly. Um, I think of all of them, we're really the only ones that I, I've ever listened to that lead people to 
everything goes back to the Lord. Exactly. You know, everything yeah. back to hope and trust and faith and everything else. Where other people, they, they get on there and they present the problem, but they never present the solution. You know, anybody can do that, for goodness sakes. Yeah. You know, I got people at work that do that at work. You know, this is a problem. This is a problem. I'm like, well, what's the solution? I don't know. Okay, well, I don't want to hear about it until you got a solution. Yeah. And if you've got a solution, let me know. We'll work on it. Yeah. And we better work on it together. <laughs> I've been dropped too many times by people. But um, anyway, um, so I think that um, uh, I don't know if I told you, Brian, but, you know, we used to talk about the Nephilim a lot the Nephilim and uh, the fallen angels and stuff. And still, that's a very important subject to talk about and things. But um, we were getting away from, in the beginning, talking about the Lord. We were putting stuff out there but not bringing it back to the Lord. Yeah. And and so one day we had a discussion a few years ago, and uh, we decided to, to change that. And we lost 75% of our, our listeners because we, we got rid of the sensationalism. You know, right. and, and yeah. sensationalism is okay as long as you have an answer to the sensationalism. <laughs> yeah. If we weren't providing that, and um, and so then you know, with the the Lord told us to do that. You know, we didn't. You know, we we could have talked about the Nephilim and everything for the rest of uh, um, our existence on Earth, but um, and and all the weirdness and stuff like that. But. Um, we never, by bringing it back and giving solutions, I think, is why people come back and listen. Because, um, yeah, we talk. what do we talk about tonight? Driverless cars. We talked about um, nanobots. And, you know, a lot of people are talking about that. But I think in, in all three categories that we talked about tonight, we brought it back to the Lord. Uh, trust in the Lord. Don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. And those are things that people right. need to hear. And yeah, sure. the other stuff is out there everywhere, right? Um, you yeah. can read about that stuff everywhere, mm-hmm. but um, you, you you don't hear about the solution, the ultimate solution, which which is the Lord. Not not um, I hate that term, the ultimate solution. <laughs> but uh, but he is the ultimate solution. He's he's God's ultimate solution, and and um, so um, we need to go back to him all the time. So um, anyway, um, that having been said. Um, I, I would hope that people would would write and and say what they want to hear about because I know that we talk about things and we just happen to hit what people are thinking about, but there's some other stuff out there that people are thinking about that we 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 might not touch on and and I would love it if people would get on Rumble or you know write to us from Spreaker or from Podbean or from whatever format there is, go to the Delusion Resistance website. There's an email address there. Write to us and let us know what you want to talk about. You know, it's, um, you know, we, we're discerning and the Lord gives us ideas and stuff like that, but maybe he's given somebody out there an idea of something that there's a group of people that want to hear about it, you know, and, and uh, we can research it and talk about it and from a scriptural point of view. And Brian here, he's like a walking Bible. You know, I can, I can, if I want to know something, I, you know, I talk to Brian and I say, Brian, where does it say this in scripture? You know, and he, like tonight, you know, he was leaning towards Revelation. He goes, no, it was in Peter. You know, so he's, you know, he's very versed when it comes to scripture. And he's very versed when it comes to the things that God wants and the things that God requires. And, 
and things like that. So it's he's. Siri. Was that the Lord? <laughs> that wasn't the Lord. Well, the it? Lord's a female and works for Apple then. <laughs> that's the Lord. I, I want to buy a new phone. <laughs> I, I had to go to court one time and I made sure I shut that off because I didn't want her coming on in the middle of the. And it turned out I never had to go to the witness stand. But anyway, um, uh, so I, you know, and, uh, I don't know where to go from that. So, um, I don't know. We're getting kind of close. So, Brian, you got anything else you want to? Yeah. Um, speaking of scripture, um, <laughs> one popped in my my little uh, little brain, my little night brain. Um, it's in Revelation because we happen to be in that tonight. Twenty one. Uh, see, about halfway down, starting at verse three. And this verse, this passage, is for hope. You know, politicians talk about hope, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. This is God's message to us about our future. This is what our, I'm going to read our future tonight. If you know the Lord tonight, this is going to be your future Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people. And God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will be no longer any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away and he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Wow. I, I don't know about I got goosebumps when I read that, and I've read that hundreds of times. That's our hope. They can nanobite us and bot us until the cows come home. <laughs> but <laughs> this is our future. If you know if you're a Christian tonight, that's your future. And I love what it says. He goes through the list of things that we fear the most. Mm-hmm. And and the things we fear the most as humans is death, mourning, crying, and pain. We fear death, and that makes us mourn. We cry, and we're full of pain. That's the, the most painful thing you can feel emotionally, I think. There's a lot of emotional pain out there. Don't get me wrong, folks. But when you lose somebody close to you, that's hard. Yeah. If you've lost somebody close to you, especially because I know there are people who have died of COVID. We talk about the virus, but uh, I, Dave and I both know it's a real virus. But mm-hmm. it's been used to manipulate people. But there are people who have died from it and died from other things. And there will be no more mourning. No more crying, no more pain. You know why, folks? Because God himself will be among us. Think mm-hmm. about that. You know, I, there's some of us out there, and I've said, where are you, God, in the midst of all this? Where are you? I pray to you. I don't hear from you. Where are you? Are you real? Are you? What's wrong? What, have I done something to offend you, and so you don't answer my prayers? It says right here, he's literally living physically among us. 
This isn't a ghost. He's physically the Lord. We're going to look at him every day. Right. And so my closing words to, to everybody tonight is, if God is for you, who could be against you? Mm-hmm. You know, every weapon, any weapon fashion, uh, fashion against you will not prosper. Um, it's just God has given us everything to pertain to godliness and living on this earth. It's called the Bible. That's the when you buy a new car, you get a book that tells you how the car operates and how to take care of it. Um, owner's manual. God, when you become a Christian, it says in the scriptures, you're not a sinner anymore. Yeah, yes, we sin. I get that. But God doesn't see you as a sinner. He sees you as a saint. The word saint in the scriptures is set up, means set apart. It's another word for holy. Holy. When God says he's holy, he's saying he's set apart from everything else around him. He's above everything. When, we're, when, we're, when you're saved and you know the Lord in your heart, you're called a saint. You're also called to be, he also tells you to be holy for he is holy. So you're set apart, saint by God. You're not a sinner anymore. You're not, you're even, Dave, you mentioned earlier, he literally, I, I think, changes your DNA on the inside, spiritually mm-hmm. and physically. I agree. And, and uh, you're saved um, no matter what you go through in this life, good, bad. Um, you know the Lord in your heart. This passage I read is your future. One of these days, there'll be no more death. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more pain. All things have passed away. He makes all things new. God is a person who likes new things, like a new car. He likes new things. And so um, we're going back, right back to Scripture again because I just don't know where else to go because where else would you go? Right. I'm just going to... In the library, there's a lot of good books, but the Bible is a living, breathing document. And it's a breathing, it's the word of God. And where else am I going to go to get counsel that's going to help me in life better than God? That's right. He he made the psyche. He made us emotionally, spiritually, physically. He knows, folks, you ever wake up or you're going through something and you just don't even know how you feel anymore? It's like you don't even know yourself anymore. Because you're so stressed out. You're so just drained from life. He knows, get on your knees or drive to work. You don't have to be on your knees, but just you can be in the midst of work at your desk and pray in your mind because he can read your mind or pray out loud somewhere and tell him how you feel. Tell him how stressed out you are because Mm -hmm. he, he doesn't want us stressed out. He doesn't want us. And when we are, obviously, because we're human and it's hard to fight that. But when you're in the presence of the living God, really in his presence, quiet, something happens to you that no drug can duplicate. The peace of God that surpasses human intellect and understanding will come upon you in the midst of maybe the most worst storm of your life. And you know you're it's going to be okay. Does it mean your cancer is going to go away? I don't know. It just means you're going to be okay, one way or the other. Mm-hmm. One way or the other. And and I go back to this because I just read it. But when Rush died, 
before he died, he got saved. And on one of his radio shows, I got to look it up. I think it was in October. I have to look it up online. He talked about how he got saved and what it meant to him. And he talked about, I could not go through what I'm going through without the Lord. Right. It gave him a strength and a peace that in the end, no matter what happened, he was going to be okay. If he died, he was going to be okay because he was going to be with the Lord. If he lived, he was going to be okay. It didn't matter. And it's funny because Paul says the same thing in Romans. Uh, Paul said that. He goes, whether I, I, I long to be in heaven, but I long to stay so I can minister more. He's torn. He wants to go to heaven. He wants to stay. But either way, he was happy with either way. Paul was. And, right. and that's how life should be. Whatever life is thrown at you um, by the flesh, the world system, or the devil, there's a person out there that created all this that's above all of that. And with a verse I just read in Revelation 21, verse 3, is that person is going to physically live with us and we're going to see him every day. It blows my mind to think that. Because right now we don't see God. Some people don't believe in the Lord because they can't see him. I can't see him, you know. And uh, But he's alive and well, and I believe he's in this, uh, he's in this program. I believe he's going to use this program um, to help people, to help us, mm-hmm. Dave and I, because we get a lot out of it too, right, Dave? And, sure, that's right. And so, so, folks, pray for us. Pray that God's word gets out. And I just pray tonight, who's ever out there, don't lose heart because God hasn't. The Lord hasn't. And he is for you. And if you need an answer from him, press into him. But one of the things that I used to do, I try not to do that. I try not to look for the answer. I try just to give it to him and then I forget about it. Forget right. about it. Because if you try to figure out how the answer is going to come, you're not going to, you're going to miss it. Mm-hmm. So don't look for the answer. Just give it to him and go about your life and do the best you can. And the answer will come and you'll go, oh, my gosh, that's exactly what I asked God for. And it's here. I wasn't even expecting it that way because God won't do it the way you expect it. So if you expect it a certain way, you're not going to get it that way. You're going to get it the way he did it because you're just going to disappoint yourself and frustrate yourself because you're thinking it's going to come this way. And sometimes God gives an answer out of left field you never thought would ever happen a certain way. And Mm -hmm. Dave, Dave, I know you've got stories and I've got a story. I won't go into it because it's late. But God bless you guys. Have a great day. Amen to that. Amen to that. Um, real quick before we end, um, you know, uh, I've got this this idea for uh, a show next week. Uh, and I also have uh, Russ Tanner uh, said that he and Laura would like to come back on. Um, so I'm going to see if that will happen next Monday. But um, now, you might think I'm weird for saying this, but, you know, if I had a dollar for everybody thought I was weird, I could probably retire uh, very comfortably. <laughs> but um, given that uh, God is living outside of time and space, that he exists out time and time and space, and uh, that the begin- he knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning, the scripture says that, and that um, 
He knows what we need before we ask for it. You know, I could I could go through a litany of scriptures. I wonder if, and I'm not trying to make a doctrine out of this for anybody on Rumble that tries to think I'm making a doctrine. This is a question. Um, is it possible that, um, let's just say that you're not sure that Uncle Johnny got saved um, before he died. 12 years ago, but you sent him a letter telling him all about the Lord because that's basically the only way that he would listen. He had to read it. Um, now, let's say that you don't know, okay, but you've prayed about it, you know, and or you prayed about it back at the time. Um, since God is outside of time and space, our, our Lord, El- Elohim, um, Elion, uh, Yeshua, um, is it possible that a prayer that is said today, being that he's outside of time and space, could actually be heard before that person passed away? In other words, I'm talking about something I, I call retroactive prayer. Um, you know, um, right now we're, we're in linear time, Okay. Five minutes from now, we'll be off the air. Uh, we started on the air almost two hours ago. But in God's way of looking at it, this show was thought of, done, and has been done for quite some time. I can't even use the word time because there's no time where he is. It's hard to understand. But is it possible that you can – now, I'm not saying that you can ask God to change things, but – Let's just say that I would I would offer up a prayer and say, Lord, can you send somebody, you know, at that time to talk to him, somebody that he could equate with, no trust, you know, other than me, um, to talk to you, him about you, and he would take it to heart, and possibly Uncle Johnny got saved, you know. Um, I know it's, it sounds like a wacko thing. It sounds like it might be way out there and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm saying, I'm saying maybe does this prayer transcend time and space um, where God's concerned? Um, now, I'm, I'm not trying to put somebody where they're not supposed to be because maybe it wasn't meant for him to be saved. Maybe he never made that decision and didn't care to make that decision. But just like it took um, all those years for Rush Limbaugh to to get saved, I'm sure people prayed for him. Tons and tons of people prayed for him all, all of his life. But, um, you know, uh, are, am I making any sense? Um, do you think that maybe, uh, you know, a prayer that said today where, where you say, Lord, you know, Back then, can you send somebody to talk to him? Because um, I don't know. I'm not so sure that he read my letter or, or um, you know, and then just, and, and after that, just drop it, you know, because you've prayed it. And if it ha- it's supposed to happen, it'll happen. If it doesn't, you know. Uh, well, well, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, like, no, I'm, I'm pretty well uh, done. I mean, that's definitely thinking out of the box. I never thought of that. So, like, kind of like a back to the future thing. You're praying for the past as somebody in the past, a relative, let's say, because I never met 
my great grandfather. So you're saying, pray, I pray that God, because God is, you're right about the Lord. He's in the past, He because he says that he's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's in the past, he's in the future, and he's in the present. And there is time travel in heaven, in the scripture, folks, because mm-hmm. John on the island of Patmos was transported into the future to see what we just read tonight. And that this this the, the part of the scriptures in the Bible haven't been fulfilled yet. And the book of Revelation is those scriptures has not been right. physically fulfilled yet. Yet. So John was on Isla Patmos, about 80 years old or so, maybe a little older, exiled. And the Lord showed up to him on the Lord's Day, Shabbat, Sabbath, and showed him and says, come up here. I will show you things that must take place shortly. So he's taken up into heaven, in the spirit, in the body, but he was there. And he saw things that happened in our future. And one of the things was in Revelation uh, 4, I think it's 4, there's a scene in heaven. And there's a scroll on the right hand of God, the Father. And John starts to weep because there's no one to take the scroll out of the Father's hand. Basically, the scroll is the tribulation, it's the deed of the earth into the judgments. And he says, no, don't worry, there's a lamb that's been slain. And Jesus comes out and takes the scroll. There's a multitude of people there worshiping, says from every tribe, tongue and nation. I believe Dave and I and every believer listening to me right now are in that crowd. We're in that worship service. So that's the future. So John saw the future. Could could a person see the past if God wanted them to? Because we've got to remember, folks, I mean, look at the technology and what we talked about tonight, what man can do. What can God do? I mean, right. He made the atom from nothing. And so he can easily go back in time. I'm not saying he's done that. There's nowhere in scripture. I've seen that. I've seen it in the future with John. Right. But he could. He could. And to pray for a relative in the past to be saved before he dies. I've never thought right. of that, Dave. Before. Before, before he now, dies. I don't want to get. I don't want people to think I'm a Mormon or even leaning oh, in that no, direction because no. they pray for the dead. I, I, I get that. This is all hypothetical. You know. We're just we're just sitting talking to each other about this stuff. So we're not. I'm not. We, we don't know. We don't know. We we're making. Dave doesn't know for sure if that can happen. I don't. Yeah. And so and uh, but could it happen? Nothing's impossible with God. Jesus said, you have faith to move a mountain, you can move a mountain. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, which is the tiniest of seeds. And so, yeah, that, that could definitely happen. Uh, has it? We would never know because that person would die before we were born. Could they exactly. be saved in the past? They could have. So we don't know. Right. That's I've never thought of it like that, Dave, to pray that way. And that's also uh, like praying against generational stuff in a, in a family tree. Folks, there's things out there that are in your families, our families, that go from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. The Lord, the the scripture talks about that. The sins of the the mother and father, you know, passed down. You know, alcoholism is huge. The father drinks, the son drinks, his son drinks, his son drinks, drinks, drinks. And then finally, somewhere down the road, if God intervenes, it's broken only by the Lord. It's a generational thing. So God can do that. 
he could sure save somebody in the past, you know, um, but we would never know until we got to heaven. Right. So yeah. exactly. I never thought I just yeah. interjected there because it's something I never thought of, you know? So, yeah. But well, maybe I'm we traveling. can think of it. Maybe oh, we can ahead. think of it as a topic to talk about. And another one would be is, is the Bible we hold on our hand, actually the book of life. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You right. know? Yeah. So, because wow. I, I had a vision of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a deep one there. That's that's a good one. So, yeah. lots to talk about. Man. <laughs> it's been a good night. I've enjoyed this a lot tonight. This has been really good. Yeah, me too. Me too. A lot of good subjects. A lot of, a lot of depth. Yeah. Well, you thought of all of them. So, yeah, they, they were really good. <laughs> No, no, you remember last week you talked about it, and I said, yeah, hey, that's a good one. You know, they, and they all kind of interlace together. Yeah. You know, the nanobox, the driverless cars, the cryptocurrency, the mark of the beast, the whole nine yards, you know, so yeah, it, it all got tied together. Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, it's so, been a great night. So. Yeah, same here. So, yeah, and I'll yeah. talk to you on, um, you know, we'll talk about the weirdness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> About the prayer stuff. See, we want to do that next week. So, okay. Um, and I'll get a hold of Russ Tanner again anyway. So, all right. Okay. Well, Brian, God bless you. God bless you, audience. It's been great yeah. being with all of you and you too, Brian. Yeah. Enjoyed it, Dave. God bless the audience. And don't stress, give it to God. That's right. That's the main focus. He's yeah. the main focus. Yeah. Okay. Let me stop this thing. <laughs>